This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our first birthday episode, number 52 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for Wednesday, February 1st. It's been a whole year. Can you believe it, Joey? I celebrated our year birthday weeks ago. Joey is joining us via Skype today because Snowpocalypse 2012 tried to destroy the entire Midwest and cancel the show, but we're not letting it happen. I'm wearing Justice League pajama pants right now. I'm dressed like an adult in jeans. My name is Matt Bond, and when I'm not explaining the knowns and unknowns of recording a live section of this show, my technologically handicapped co-host i'm writing about and appraising comics for workpoint.com and i'm joe patrick artist and co-creator of good plus online and when i'm not swearing i'd help edit and produce the show if only my tech level was slightly above that of a neanderthal child oh if only i'm the manager of legend comics in omaha nebraska this week you'll hear reviews of magic the gathering number one and winter soldier number one after that we'll review 10 comics so fast starving creators everywhere will throw their mp3 devices to the ground and then we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where that jerk Belasco swears he's going to gift us knowledge to discuss two of next week's comics with no strings attached. Yeah, right. And finally, we're proud to bring you our live Q&A session from our first birthday celebration last night at Legend Comics and Coffee. But before we get to all that birthday binging and purging, let's take a second to thank each and every one of you nerds for making this podcast possible, because we couldn't do it without you, babies. And then... We'll talk about this week's big news. We love you. It's official. This week, DC Comics confirmed plans to create new material based on the 1986 Watchmen series by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. It's all happening. Starting sometime this summer, DC will publish Before Watchmen, (laughs) a group of seven miniseries which will be staggered so that one issue of the event will be released each week followed by the Before Watchmen epilogue wrapping it all up. Sounds like it'll be real similar to how Seven Soldiers was published. DC seems to be putting their best foot forward with this project and has amassed a staggering list of creative teams to helm each series. Let's switch off reading these. You go first. All right. The creative teams are Rorschach, a four-issue series by Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo. Minutemen, a six-issue series by artist Darwin Cook. Ooh. Oh, dear God. Uh, the Comedian, another six-issue series, uh, also written by Azzarello with art by J.G. Jones. Dr. Manhattan, four issues by J. Michael Straczynski, if he decides to finish the whole thing, and artist Adam Hughes. Oh, man, that's a recipe for disaster. Oh, tell me about it. Two of the <laughs> latest guys I can think of. Uh, Night Owl, a four-issue series, again by JMS. This one with art by Andy and Joe Kubert. Weird, right? Yeah. Ozymandias, written by Len Wein, <laughs> with art by Jay Lee. Ozymandias. Saw- Ozymandias. And finally, we have The Silk Spectre, a four-issue series written by Darwin Cook, with art by Amanda Connor. <sighs> Man, each of the seven series will also feature a two-page Tales of the Crimson Corsair backup story by Len Wein and the original Watchmen colorist John Higgins. While comic retailers seem generally optimistic about the project, fans and creators alike have been split by the controversial news. Some have stepped up to defend Alan Moore's honor. Some are genuinely excited at the possibility of new stories set in the Watchmen world by A-list creators. Moore himself 
thinks the news is a travesty, of course. Of course. But his collaborator Dave Gibbons had a more diplomatic opinion to share. Gibbons said, quote, The original series of Watchmen is the complete story that Alan Moore and I wanted to tell. However, I appreciate DC's reasons for this initiative and the wish of the artists and writers involved to pay tribute to our work. May these new additions have the success they desire. Matt? People lost their minds, predictably, as usual, because when you're talking about Watchmen, you're talking about the closest thing to a lot of comic readers have to the Bible. And I I was one of them. I freaked out at first, too. And I, you heard me screaming about this on the show n- not more than a month ago when I was calling yeah, it dumb. Yeah, when it was all rumored. Yeah. Right. I was calling it dumb and stupid. And I still think it is kind of dumb and stupid. That doesn't mean it won't be good. These are probably going to be pretty damn good books. Well, yeah. I mean, if they're good, they're good. It, it's like I told our pal Jeff last night. It's not like your copy of Watchmen is going to turn to ash. Right. On your shelf. I'm not of the mind that a, a prequel or a, a, an inferior sequel lessens the original. I, for me, the original Star Wars movies are just as magical as they always were. Mm. Even though I know that 30 years later, George Lu- Lucas tried to sell me on the idea that there's little space worms in everybody's blood. <laughs> when I watch the original trilogy, I don't care about any of that. I think the same. When I watch the original should- trilogy, my teeth hurt. <laughs> Oh, my God. You're a baby. As far as Moore and, you know, whether or not DC is screwing him or whatever, but the fact is is that they have made attempts to make good with Alan Moore, and he's refused them. He did an interview with Bleeding Cool not that long ago where he said he washes his hands of Watchmen. Right. So guess what? You let it go. Kurt Busiek had a tweet this week that I think said it best. He's like, if there's one thing we can learn here, if you're going to write something, make sure you own it. The end. Yep. I mean, and that's and, and that's it. And nobody was making contracts like that back in the day. And I get it. So, well, and, of course, they go dig him up from his, like, weird shamanic ritual. And he goes, <laughs> I hate it. You know, like, <laughs> whatever. That's what this guy's always done. And oh, I, I hate it. And, they're, yeah, they're not taking a crap on Watchmen. If it sucks, then we can say they took a crap on Watchmen. I'm saying let's reserve judgment and see what happens. <laughs> Moving right along, this week, Daredevil writer and THN favorite Mark Wade announced he will be ending his creator-owned titles, Irredeemable and Incorruptible, this May. Irredeemable, which told the story of the Plutonian, a Superman analog gone mad, began in 2009. Incorruptible served as a companion series and focused on max damage, one of the Plutonian's greatest enemies who had no choice but to turn from villain to protector in the face of the Plutonian's insane rampage. Both series have been critically acclaimed during their runs, and Irredeemable has been nominated for both the Eisner and Harvey Awards. While both titles have enjoyed great success with their runs at Boom Studios, Wade feels the story is reaching its natural conclusion. When asked if he had more stories to tell featuring the Irredeemable universe supporting cast, Wade said, quote, Time will tell. Joey, what do you think about these books ending? Have you even read them? I followed them both for a while after they started, and I just got behind uh it's not that i wasn't enjoying them i just ended up so far behind i had to stop and so i'm going to i was going to wait and then just sit down and read all the trades but i loved those books they're really good i'm only two or three issues behind on both of these right now and again yeah they just got lost in the shuffle they're fantastic and i have to say props to mark wade for knowing when to end on a high note Absolutely. As opposed to stretching it out forever and ever and ever and letting it water down and then handing <laughs> it off to some inker turned artist, you know, and some writer we never heard of. 
props to him for ending the story. That takes guts. Absolutely. And I am really looking forward to sitting down and catching back up because I have heard about all the just bonkers stuff that's happened yeah, since man. I stopped reading. I wish so badly this could be a DC Elseworld story. Uh, Mark <laughs> Wade, man. It would be so he, messed up. He dug way down deep to a really dark place. Oh, yeah. I read a funny little uh, snippet in an interview. Uh, the editor at Boom was talking to him about the ending. Mark Wade said, I hope the next thing you work on has fewer dead babies in it. <laughs> and <laughs> Finally, non-player creator Nate Simpson recently stopped by the Bleeding Cool forums to update fans on the status of the series' long-awaited second issue. Simpson said, quote, as far as issue two goes, I'm about two-thirds done with it. It ended up being five pages longer. And get this, a little more visually detailed than the first issue. Well, the first one was, you know. It was all right. <laughs> yeah. I, set, I set one eight-page chase sequence inside a fish market, which turned out to be a really hard thing to draw. Surprisingly, lots of fish were involved. <laughs> Simpson also spilled a few details about the series as a whole, saying that Non-Player was originally conceived as a six-issue series, but may need an extra issue to finish the story. We here at THN raved about Non-Player number one, and I think it goes without saying that we're both really excited to see more from Simpson. Matt? For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Non-Player was an image book we've only seen one issue of. It was one of the most visually stunning, to the point of ridiculously overdrawn comics I've ever seen. It was amazing. <laughs> like, absolutely amazing. And after yeah. reading it, I went, well, I guess we'll see issue two of this sometime in the next five years. So <laughs> it's good to know that issue two is coming. There's something to be said. And actually, Bruce McCorkendale and Max Riffner, buddies of ours, were sitting down one day talking to me. And they were talking to a friend of theirs, Tracy, who's also a very talented artist, about overdrawing and about how some of the best guys in the business figured out what they could do, and then simplified their task so they could get stuff done because anyone can spend a million years drawing something, but it's the really talented guys that can crank out spectacular stuff every month. Yeah. And I think Simpson, if he gets to that place, will be a master. I do think he might be doing himself a disservice. I understand it takes a long time, and the work shows like the the quality shows absolutely but essentially at this point we're at one issue a year and you're not going to build a reputation with one issue a year i i don't know how many people will be willing to go with him on this journey right as opposed to you know putting out a really nice graphic novel yeah there's something to be said like like i said something to be said getting it done that is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page. We're speaking of fish markets. DJ and I have been talking about bringing back Melmac's favorite pastime, Booyah Baseball. Gordon Shumway loved it, and you folks will too. No more tabby paw pie for me before bedtime. It's review time again, and as always, we spun the Wheel of Fish to see who goes first. And Matt came up with a red snapper. That's a good fish, Matt. Why it don't is. you go first? It is, right? This yeah. week, I read Winter Soldier number 1 by Ed Brubaker, Butch Geis, who's back to Butch, and Betty Brightweiser. I wasn't aware there was a Betty Brightweiser. There's another Brightweiser, isn't there? 
Mitch. Mitch Breitweiser. And it's his sister? Wife? His sister wife. It's his sister wife? <laughs> and Mitch Breitweiser's sister wife, Betty Breitweiser. <laughs> so Winter Soldier picks up where we left off with Bucky. He's just, well, somewhat returned from the dead. We found out he didn't die in the pages of Fear Itself, but was replaced by a dead life model decoy, which is kind of ironic. But anyway. A dead, a dead model decoy. <laughs> a dead model decoy. So this is the story of Bucky and the Black Widow hunting down the other sleeper agents like himself that were planted by the KGB years and years and years ago that have fallen into the hands of groups like RAID, which is a faction of AIM. And I believe RAID stands for Radically Advanced Ideas and Destruction. Yes, it's a great name. <laughs> that sounds pretty bad. <laughs> Let's it's start, true. We'll start with the cover. Lieber Miho did a stunning cover for this featuring Bucky you've got old school cap and Bucky in the background on a Soviet star and in the foreground you've got Bucky's original winter soldier look that he's back to this is the Bucky that we first met in Captain America in the winter soldier story but he's a good guy now the art in this book by Butch Geis I've followed this guy for a long time and he's amazing he's wonderful at what he does and he has tweaked his style just a little bit here there's there seems to be some affected photo reference stuff in the background, but it's so well done. It's not annoying at all. And he sort of like softened his style a little bit. He used to have this kind of, I'm not crazy, but sort of Lee Weeks type style where he drew a lot to make things look very realistic. And this, it's a little softer. It's a little out of focus when it needs to be. And it gives yeah. this book a really cool feel that i haven't seen from him like i just it's not that it was unrecognizable it just looks so different and i don't know if that's 100 percent him or that's the magic of betty brightweiser I, I mean she could have had a lot to do with this book but it's got a very nice look to it it's, it's very reminiscent of jim steranko yeah absolutely which is- uh, which is something Butch Geis has been going for ever since he took over on Captain America. Yes, this very much has the feel of that old Nick Fury books that Starenko did too, where it's sort of psychedelic and it's a lot of uh, interesting like effects. Yeah, we, you know, and it's not just plain comic art. Weird coloring and stuff to give it this very dark, like covert ops feel. This is a super, a pure super spy book. They are raiding secret buildings and traveling all over the world and to go after these sleeper agents. I enjoyed the hell out of this. And honestly, it was wonderful. we both agreed that when Bucky left the Cap book, Cap has not been as interesting. I mean, it's still good. I like Brubaker's Cap, but it lost something when Bucky left. And I am really glad that he's back in his own series. I think this is going to be a ton of fun. I'm giving this a gigantic buy it. My only complaint is that it kind of picks up in mid story as it's not, it didn't feel like a first issue to me. Yeah. It felt like page one go. Yeah. It just, it was like, well, obviously you all read the follow up from fear itself. And so you already know the story and we're just going right into it. Uh, it, I, I wish it had a little bit more of that first issue feel where it's like there's in the opening pages, there's like the big reveal of the title character and they didn't really have any of that. Other than that though, I, this book was a joy to read. It was beautiful, beautiful artwork, beautiful coloring. Betty Brightweiser is truly an artist and, uh, I loved it. I'm giving it a strong buy it as well. Joe, 
Why don't you tell these babies what you read this week? My pick for this week was Magic the Gathering number one from IDW. Uh, this book was written by Matt Forbeck, art by Martin Cocolo or Cocolo. I don't know why I said it that way. Cocolo. Published by J. Edwin Stevens. Here's your solicit from previews. Get ready, Magic the Gathering fans. There's a new planeswalker in town. In search of greater magical knowledge and on the hunt for the people who destroyed his town, Dak Faden is the greatest thief in the multiverse. When he gets his hands on his latest prize, though, he has no idea where it will lead him or to who. So, full disclosure, I know next to nothing about Magic the Gathering. I know so, nothing ev- about Magic yeah, the Gathering. <laughs> everything I know about Magic just comes from selling Magic cards. I, I don't know anything else about it. Everything I so, know about it comes from making fun of Magic players. <laughs> so everything I have to say comes from a place of complete detachment from the property. Uh, we open with Dak Faden. He's on the run from a gaggle of cultists and their really scary-looking demon buddy. A gaggle. A gaggle. I think that's the proper term. Mm-hmm. Faden is able to escape into the multiverse using his planeswalking powers, which I guess means he teleports or he travels through dimensions. Yeah, I think he's but like Doctor Who. Inspector Space Time. Yeah, I think he's like but Inspector of course, Space Time. <laughs> trouble finds him wherever he goes. Ugh. This story feels like a complete paint-by-numbers plot that you could sho- shoehorn any sci-fi fantasy concept into. A scoundrel with a heart of gold steals from the wrong target. Ew. And when he uncovers a dark secret, he's going to take the fight back to their doorstep. Oh, wait a minute. There's dark secrets involved? That sounds yeah, cool. Man. I mean, come on. It just feels like a story I've seen play out over and over and over. And it's just that this time, it's set in the world of Magic the Gathering, which is certainly not a selling point that makes me see past the cliche. The art is actually pretty decent. Uh, Kokolo has kind of a Mike Grell thing going on, and I thought he did a really good job, but the coloring by J. Edwin Stevens is so dark and murky that it completely ruins the book visuals for me. It's it, This is a high fantasy story with l- lots of monsters and magic and action, and the book should have been vibrant. Yeah, it's really dull. They're, they it, use a lot of this, like, red kind of background and i don't know yeah. if it's to they're trying to make it feel spooky but it just looks like everything's in night vision you know well like this guy yeah. sees like the predator or something i don't know it, <laughs> it really doesn't work yeah it, it should have been visually exciting and instead it looks like you're reading it through a murky haze Yeah, or it's so sepia toned that it looks like they made a mistake yeah and, and if you look at like the last page or the ad for the co- the second issue there's an image of the cover of issue two, and that is like a really good example of how to do something that's dark and moody, but also not dull. Well, and this guy is, I think he's one of the painters, like one of the official magic painters, too, because this looks right. just like, you know, all the all the covers of all the sets and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Well, the art for issue one is what's on the card that comes with the book, which brings me to my next point. Yeah, that's, I guess, the big question. Is everybody buying this for the card or for the well, comic? Good question. So we decided to call our friend and resident magic nerd, Dave DeMarco. Dave, say hi to the listeners. Hi, listeners. Just wondering what you thought of Magic of the Gathering, number one, from IDW Comics. Well, I read it just the other day, and after I got over my excitement of getting a free magic card with the purchase of the comic book, 
I was decidedly underwhelmed. Hmm. So do you think that the bulk of the readers are buying this for the card, or are they going to be excited about the story at all? Well, I don't know if they'll be buying it for the card. It's not available for standard play, so that would be strange uh, that they'd be really excited about it. I mean, it's a fun card, certainly. But I would think that uh, they might be buying it because the comic does indeed tie into the magic mythos, for lack of a better word. And that mythos is fun. However, when presented in this comic, it kind of just sort of sits there. It just lays flat. So on the two-headed nerd scale of leave it, skim it, or buy it, where do you stand on Magic the Gathering number one? I guess I would say you'd have to leave it because it doesn't really bring anything new to the table. It, yes, there are references to Ravnica and, you know, uh, Innistrad in the comic book. So it's like things that Magic the Gathering players will clap excitedly and like, I know that place. All right, I know that guy. <laughs> um, the problem is, is that the comic introduced us to this new character. Uh, his name was like, it's like Dak or Drac. Something. We were calling him and Dash goes, Rendar earlier. Yeah, Dash Rendar. That, you might as well. <laughs> and he is, guess what, a lovable rogue. The guy has, you know, like, love interests on multiple planes, and then he skedaddles by, after taking a couple of artifacts for reasons unknown. It just it just feels very pedestrian and, and something that we've seen many, many times before. So he's Magic the Gathering's Han Solo. Uh, that's what he appears to be, yes. And I think he even wears a vest. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And he's got long hair and a scruffy face. All right. You heard it right there, folks, from a magic nerd himself. Magic the Gathering number one. Leave it. Thanks for your time, Dave. My pleasure. I got a bad feeling about this. So that's a double buy it for Marvel's Winter Soldier number one and a rare triple leave it for Magic the Gathering number one. One of those leave it's from a guy who knows what he's talking about. Thanks again, Dave. As always, we want to know what you nerds are reading and whether or not you agree or disagree with our takes on these comics. So go to our Facebook page and let us know how scruffy and nerf herder like our opinions really are. No. It's not Join a, us it's not a sexy the... when you're not in the room. God damn it, shut up! <laughs> Do I need to turn my camera back on? No, no. No. Join us in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, Sanctum. but be careful. That was really scary. <laughs> <laughs> but be careful not to disturb the runes drawn in the mystic salts of Sindriar. For doing so would not only disrupt our link to the secrets of next week's comics, but would banish your astral self from your corporeal form for all eternity. All eternity. Matt, what title stands out in the view of your third eye. I'm excited for Conan the Barbarian, number one, by Brian Wood, with art by Becky Cloonan. I love both of these creators, and I was a little shocked to see they were taking over Conan, but then again, I've been catching up on Brian Wood's Northlanders, and after reading that, I'm convinced he is perfect for this book. I can't wait for this one. Joey, what are you reading? Next week, I can't wait for Adventure Time number one by Ryan North and Shelley Perilin. It's already sold out, too, so... I know. Seek this one out. It's going to be fun. I've only seen the show a couple of times, but I'm already totally obsessed with it. I watch it religiously. I I was watching it drunk last night (laughs) and laughing by myself. Ryan North is the creator of the very, very funny dinosaur comics, Webstrip, and I'm interested to see what he does in the print comics world. 
As always, we want to know what you nerds are reading, so let us know on our Facebook page. But don't get swept away. Oh my god. Normally, we at THN would never encourage drinking and driving, but it's our birthday, goddammit, and this Quinjet isn't gonna take off by itself to get us to our Amsterdam four-star studded hash bar birthday party. Once we reach our cruising altitude, feel free to join us at the fuselage at the stripper pole where Jocasta will be pouring sake and entertaining while we review 10 comics in the ludicrous speed round. Ludicrous speed, go! Go! Transformers Infestation number one. Infestation two number one, specifically. This is a weird steampunk Transformers. I think this spins out of Transformers Hearts of Steel, which I did not read, but took place in the 19th century, and it had, like, John Henry and Mark Twain in it. The dialogue is really forced and old-timey. The art wasn't bad. It's starting to feel like Infestation is invested with too many genres, buddy. You heard it here first. Leave it. Animal Man. Waka waka. (laughs) Animal Man number six. Uh, this was an interesting one-off issue. It was the movie Buddy Baker starred in. And so it's a weird movie within a comic book. Buddy Baker starring as the Red Thunder, a really lame superhero that's constantly getting beat up. <laughs> it was really interesting. It had really great art. Uh, I'm giving it a buy it. Warriors of Mars number one. Uh, solid art by Jadson. Nice colors by Alex Starling. Some corny dialogue. It's the story of a Civil War soldier whisked away to Mars years before John Carter and right after yelling, I wish I was off Mars for, like, no reason that I could figure oh. out. He, well, lucky. Yeah, and while it's getting there, he probably forgets about the woman he wanted to marry back at home and falls in love with the busty, almost nude mother of the age of Thoris. Skip it. Alpha Girl, number one. A uh, new book from Image, so I'd give it a try. Uh, it had a really interesting premise about a cosmetic company that develops a weird pheromone perfume that makes women into rage zombies. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. oh, interesting is that all? Interesting premise, poor execution, not great art, really not great dialogue. Leave it. Wow. Venom number thirteen. Uh, this is the first part of the Circle of Four crossover, which is Hulk, X twenty three, and Ghost Rider along with Venom. Two of these characters just had their series canceled. The other two were looking for a sales boost, obviously. Uh, if ever a comic needed editor's notes, I'd say it was this one. I mean, it was like everybody seemed to know this bad guy but me. He had messed with X-23 before. He had messed with the female Ghost Rider. It, there was a lot going on. This is kind of a mess. Tony Moore's art is very good, though. Skim it. It's best I can do. Uh, the 12, number 9. I wish I could say it was worth the three and a half year wait. I, yeah, I don't even remember where the hell this story was. I remember I liked it, but I don't remember how it Me ended Me neither. I, oh, look, it wasn't terrible, but they made, like, no attempt to cover up the fact that it's late. In fact, the script even references the fact that it's still supposed to be 2008. Whoops. Uh, in the story. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful art. The best I can give it is a skimmit, though, after all this time. Fatal, number two. This book is so damn good. It's creepy. It's fantastic. When when Brew Baker and uh, Phillips get together, awesome comic books happen. I'm not going to give anything away, but this is a super fun ride. I'm happy to be on it. Buy it, buy it, buy it. Joe Patrick, tell me about Amazing Spider-Man 679, but go faster this time. (laughs) This was the second part of a really great two-part story. Uh, where Spidey's uh, Peter Parker's co-worker builds 
a door into the break room of tomorrow. Whoops. <laughs> and uh, they have to solve, like, some sort of potential nuclear holocaust before too late. It was really fun, really tense. Buy it. Avengers Exception number three. I mean, okay, this series has been fun so far. Not a whole lot has happened other than Cable sort of mopped the floor with all the Avengers. There's kind of a weird thing that happens with a techno-organic virus in here that I didn't really get. But there's not a lot going on at this point, and I'm not just questioning Cable's motives. I'm starting to question, like, his person, like the way he's being yeah. written. It seems a little ridiculous at this point. I'm still on board. I want to see what happens, but I can only give this one a skin. For me, for me, a lot of the Jeff Loeb badness seems to be seeping through. Yeah, it is showing up now. Lock and key, clockworks, number four. You know, I'm sick of talking about this book. If you're not already reading it, it's too late for you. Yeah, you're too, hopeless. That's me. I, it's too late for me. It's not too late. I'm kidding. Get the trade. <laughs> get on it. Get caught up. This is wonderful. Buy it. Buy it. Buy it. Flabam! That is your ludicrous speed round. And flabam is the sound it makes when the uh, scary demon guy that was chasing the planeswalker in Magic the Gathering, smashes his hammer on the ground. <laughs> Dash Rendar. <laughs> Dash Rendar? Dak Faden? He, I forget. Uh, let's just go with Dash Rendar. <laughs> I've already forgotten. Now it's time for a special birthday treat. Last night we had a little birthday get-together at Legend Comics and Coffee where we recorded a live Q&A Comic-Con style with a group of local listeners, and now we're going to bring the party to you guys that couldn't join us. So here's some snippets of last night's festivities. Uh, so after three or four weeks, you guys made USA Today's top ten. How the hell did you do that? that it, okay, here's what that is. Yeah, I got it. Uh, Casey, Matt's wife, sent a very pleasant uh, message on Twitter. A tweet? The Twitter. The Twitter. To uh, Whitney at the Pop Candy blog. And what Casey probably doesn't know is that I saw it and then sent a 13-page email. I sent an email, too. Follow-up <laughs> to her about it. You wrote 13 pages? It was about three paragraphs. But, yeah. Um, and it, it got her attention. Like yeah, you're really, you're doing a great job. I'm busy editing the damn show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but because of Casey, uh, basically, Casey got, uh, got us the attention of the blogger at USA Today, and um, the very next week, I think, yeah. she wrote that article, and um, that was it. It helps being married to a PR person. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. My name's Jared. Hi, Hi Jared. Jared. We've never met Jared before. But no. Hello, stranger. Just some dude. <laughs> Thanks for supporting the show. Something. Hey, man. Anything for you guys. Uh, what got you into comics, each of you? Ooh, that's you a good question. You start. Um, I don't remember ever not having comics. Uh, I've just always had them. Uh, when I was really little, somehow I acquired through gifts or, well, gifts because I'm a child, but uh, these digest reprints that Marvel and DC used to put out of like Silver Age comics or um, comics from the 70s. So I had like black and white reprints of the original Swamp Thing, which is really great yeah. when you're Yeah, three. I had those too. A lot of like Silver Age, like Legion of Superhero stuff and uh, and old Superman stuff. And I just, I always had them. I don't remember ever not having them. So I, I, I don't recall that moment where I decided, yes, comics are for me. Comics were just always for me because I am hopeless. Okay, I, There's no hope for me. 
I uh, I distinctly remember my mother and father here, right here. My mom, Colleen, and my dad, Steve. My mother took me. Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> my mother took me to a garage sale in Waco, Texas, when I was very young, and I bought a copy of Weird, what's it, Weird Mystery Tales. And I can't tell you the exact issue, but I remember there's a sea serpent on it, and he was wrapping around a ship and pulling it underwater, and the sailors are absolutely terrified. And it was the scariest goddamn thing I've ever seen in my life. And I looked at that. And I've never seen anything like it, and I had to have it. And my mother gave me, I think, like 10 cents or whatever it was to buy the shit comic. I still own it today. And it was the comic that ruined me for all time. And now I love violence and monsters and horrible things that happen. There's no such comic as Weird Mystery Tales, is there? Yes, there is. Weird Mystery Tales is a real thing. Look it up, If you want to hear the whole unedited and not safe for work version of the Q&A, we'll have a link on our Facebook page. We want to send out a huge thanks to everybody that came last night and wishes us a happy birthday. Not just there, but on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Without you guys, we don't have a show. Thank you so much for the past year. Here's to you guys and what lies ahead for THN. Break it, break it down like this. That is it for the first two-headed nerd birthday spectacular and the first time Joe Patrick and I have done a show together without looking at each other. Oh super weird. It, but now I we, think we we can all agree it was better this way. Yeah, we don't have to be friends anymore. I kinda like this. It's great. Nice. If you guys want to subscribe to this show, you can do so on iTunes. And while you're there, please, please leave us a star rating or even a short written review. Especially a short written review. Huge thanks to everyone that donated last night. And if you'd like to keep us in cupcakes, sweet cup and cakes, cup and cakes. you can make your donation in any amount by clicking our donate button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, twoheadednerd at gmail.com, where you can beg for reading suggestions from the comic pushers, or you can try and stump comic professor Joe Patrick as part of next week's Ask a Nerd. And keep I your- think we've already got a doozy. Oh, do- oh, that's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, keep the THN mascot art coming. We just got another one a week ago, and it's fantastic, and we totally love it. But we need more. Because, folks, they're not just going to be featured on the new THN.com. They're going to be featured on T-shirts. That's right. Don't tell, do not tell them that all their mascots are going on T-shirts. Not we all their mascots. We, we're going to pick. We can't commit to that. We're not putting them all in. We're going to pick one. <laughs> we're going to pick one, you lunatic. Jesus. If that's, not, if that's not enough for you, head over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer the question of the week. This week's query. After seeing the creative lineups for the Watchmen prequels, are you excited or are you still giving this project the stink fist? What is the stink fish? You don't want to know. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Tim Hill of the Apocalypse Geek Blog, who stopped by and met us at the shop this week. Super nice guy. And then promptly linked our site to his blog. Word to you, Tim. And if you want to link to it at nerd.com, just drop us a line and let us know. And until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off on our first birthday. Happy birthday, Matt. Happy birthday, DJ. There we go. 